0: This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting MatardayRadio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life.
1: Living Stones is a weekly conversation about living a truly Catholic life. Deacon Harold Burke Sivers and Ken Hellenius help you deepen your relationship with Christ and His Church, discussing practical ways to grow in faith, participate more fully in the liturgy, and practice charity towards all.
2: Hello and welcome to Living Stones. I am your co-host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and joining me in the virtual studios from South Bend, Indiana is my good friend, uh, really a lifelong friend. And the man who taught chopsticks to Chopin, the one and only Ken Hellenius. Ken, how are you doing, brother? I am well, thank you. Ah, uh, Frederick,
0: young Frederick Chopin. You know, everybody's favorite Polish-French composer, but at some point, even he had to learn how to bang out the little tidbits that uh, every piano student learns, you know, so what can I say? He, well, the student is greater than the teacher, as always. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's awesome man that's how are fun. things that uh, uh on, on campus in notre dame
0: things are good we're actually in the midst of uh uh fall br- i almost said spring break fall break now mm-hmm. so uh students are are elsewhere and kind of rejuvenating themselves for this week and uh, we're we're um we're just cruising along the so learning they, is so
2: they did decide to do fall break so didn't they uh because of covid last year i know a lot of universities did this they um uh, did not have the break. So they left. Uh, so basically Thanksgiving was the end of the semester or something like that.
0: Yeah, so. correct. Yeah. So la- so the thought behind that was um, both to get people home by Thanksgiving so that they could be back with their families. And plus, when you don't do a break, you don't send students out into the world in the middle of the semester so they can all go get sick and then come back to campus, right? right? <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) so so it's actually a pretty smart move but uh this year you know with with every student and faculty member you know most of campus is vaccinated and so um so we were able to to kind of resume that and and um yeah we're just happy to be happy to be back in person and uh happy to be kind of have some normalcy to it so and uh obviously the football season is underway so we we are looking forward to being back in the stadium and doing that kind
2: of stuff after break is over. So fun, fun times. Excellent. And uh, yeah, for me, I've been, my travels have been going pretty well, you know, um, uh, not, not doing so many, so many parish events still. Sure. Um, You know, I've done some, I I did a mission in um, Rockford, Illinois and, um, stuff like that, and a uh, lot of Catholic radio fundraising type of events, dinners and stuff. And sure, got the men's conference coming up in San Francisco, so looking forward, looking forward to with, that. And
0: with the uh, good Archbishop Cordiglione
2: yes, yeah, that guy the is awesome. I don't heart want of the to lion. Be,
0: yeah, heart of the lion. That guy is awesome. You know, he's just you know witnessing the faith in a very difficult environment. And so, I know when you you see what he has to write, he has a pastoral mind and a real grasp of. Of doctrine, and um, and wants to preach the truth, and I think he's doing so in a difficult situation, and it's kind of inspiring to to all of us, right? To to live out our faith and and to be bold with it. So, God bless him and and his ministry as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited today, Ken, because uh, you know uh, we have another special guest this week. We
0: do. This is really exciting. So, we are. Pleased to welcome actually somebody that you and I know and have known for years. So today we bring Paul Sens to join us. And Paul Sens describes himself on Twitter as, uh, quote, Catholic, husband, father of four, writer at Catholic World Report, Our Sunday Visitor, the National Catholic Register, Catholic Answers Magazine, and more. He is the author of Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers About the Marian Apparitions, published by Ignatius Press. And even more importantly, as I said, Paul is a personal friend of both Deacon Harold and myself from his days as a student at the University of Portland. So we are proud to welcome Paul Sens to Living Stones. Welcome, Paul.
1: Hi, guys. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. It's a joy to have you with us. Well, Paul... For those of uh, our listeners who maybe don't have the pleasure of having known you for, you know, almost gosh, at least fifteen years, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? What did you study? You know, kind of those sorts of things.
1: Sure. Well, originally I'm from a little tiny little town. I hesitate to even call it a town. It's more of a a, a hamlet, a little unincorporated community called Verboort in a little west of Portland. Um, I was described it as a, a town of about uh, 30 people and 50 cows <laughs> a, a big dairy farm and the parish and everything. And that's about it. Um, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, I was a, a student at the University of Portland. and undergrad, I, I studied music and theology. I was a double major. And then I also got my master's there, my Master of Arts in Pastoral Ministry. Um, and now, as of just a few months ago, uh, my family and I, we've relocated out to uh, uh, beautiful western Oklahoma. So apparently, if a state begins with O, that's where you'll find us.
0: <laughs> well, of course, most uh, most modern day radio listeners are going to know Verbot really well. I have been to the Verbot Sausage Festival, which uh, takes place there at the beginning of November every year. Um, right. It's a it's Visitation Parish, right?
1: That's right, Visitation of the Blessed
0: Virgin Mary. Yeah. How delightful.
2: Well, well it's, I, and I'm glad to be reunited with you as well, Paul. I mean, I remember the days where you're you're still, still trying to figure things out. That's and right. I kind of served as a mentor for you, um, you know, kind of helping to steer you in the right direction, give you some things to think about and to pray about. And and I kind of feel like a proud papa now, <laughs> you know, I'm all the amazing things that you're doing, the writing, and I see I see your name all over the place. Um, you know, and, and of course, the your your book that we're going to be talking about, you know, these next couple of shows, is just uh, it's just so wonderful to see how God has uh, has blessed you and uh, uh, and you continue to do great work uh, writing. Well, thank you.
1: And thank you for all. Thank you for all that you did for me. And 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 Ken, don't be bashful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's a it's it's joyful to see. I mean, this is obviously the great. Part about working in higher education, right, is that the helping students, young people discover their vocations, their talents, and then seeing them go off and actually put those into practice, is is the joyful part about working in higher ed. And so it's it's awesome to have you with us. And uh, um, you, so tell us a little bit about what you do as kind of during the day. You know, I mean, you you're writing all the all the time. What what does your your average day or average work week look like?
1: So the writing is uh, uh, sort of a a, a moonlighting uh, venture for me. I do it when I can focus, which is after the wife and kids and everybody is asleep. So (laughs) (laughs) during the day, during the day, I I work for Ignatius Press. Uh, I have sort of two primary responsibilities. Uh, I'm in charge of the Ignatius Pew Missal, which is a, a, a worship aid for congregations. Sort of like, you know, most of the listeners will be familiar with OCPs, Breaking Bread and Today's Missile. It's kind of in that vein. Sure. Uh, And also for our uh, religious education materials, uh, you know, curriculum for for elementary age and the UCAT and things like that. I'm in charge of uh, building diocesan relationships and that sort of thing. Although, as I always say about Ignatius Press, we're a a small uh, but tireless workforce. You know, we've all got, we all wear a lot of hats and do whatever needs to be done. But those, those are my, those are what take up the bulk of my day.
0: Wonderful. Well, Paul, you're the author of uh, Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers About the Marian Apparitions, published by Ignatius Press, uh, as a sort of companion to the 2020 movie Fatima. How did you get involved in this project? That was an
1: incredibly providential uh, series of events. So the, if memory serves, the movie was initially supposed to come out, I think, in April of 2020. But then because of theaters being closed and everything, they decided to push it back to August. And, and, they were, and then they were planning to do some manner of hybrid release. You know, by that point, a lot of, a lot of uh, studios and, and distribution places were doing, uh, uh, what do they call it, premium video on demand. You know, where at the same time it's out in the theater, you can rent it, uh, you know, for twenty bucks or something, and uh, <clears throat> whatever it was. And because the release got pushed back, Ignat- the folks at Ignatius Press, who were working closely with the filmmakers, because they were going to be they're helping kind of promote the movie, and they were going to be, um, you know, carrying the DVD once it came out and all that sort of thing. So they saw an opportunity. They said, "Well, hang on, this release just got pushed back four months." <clears throat> It would be great to be able to offer a resource to people who might have more questions. You know, it's a wide release, it's a it's a, a fairly major studio production. A lot of people are gonna see this who won't know much about Fatima, and there's only so much you can do in an hour and a half or two hour movie. There's gonna be a lot of questions, there's gonna be a lot of even, you know, whatever liberties they have to take for the sake of telling a story in a different medium. So maybe we can make a resource available for people and because they knew me from my writing at Catholic World Report and these other places, as well as, of course, being an employee there. So they reached out to me and said, hey, do you think you could uh, turn something like this around quickly? We'd, we'd like to do this, you know, if we can make it happen, but do you think you can do it? And so I jumped at the opportunity and I, I it's not a long book. I mean, it's only 120 pages or something, but but uh, I, I researched and wrote the whole thing in, in less than a month. And we just cranked it out and, and uh, had it out um, a, a week or two before the movie came out. So then it was available as a resource. And especially, it was great with the movie being available on demand and everything, and of course now on DVD. Uh, I always tell people they can read the book ahead of time if they want to prepare to watch the movie. After they watch it, if they want to bring their questions to that point, or if they want to have it next to them during, they can pause the movie and, and look up an answer then.
0: I guess uh, when we're talking about events that happened over 100 years ago, there's really no such thing as a spoiler alert, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: well, well, Paul, um, obviously, your author, this is your, your first book. Um, yeah. So who are you writing the book for? Obviously, you just mentioned you're writing it for um, the, the people who may have questions about uh, Fatima, um, but who who else is your audience? Was Nexus, I mean, primarily targeting the moviegoers, or was this kind of just a, a g- also a general book about Fatima and the interest in in uh, Our Lady's appearance there?
1: Good question. So, one of the nice things about the fact that it's it's not it's not an official companion to the movie or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> it's more. the the timing worked out and the filmmakers are very supportive of the project too, because they also saw the opportunity to give people more information. So it is a great resource for people in relation to the movie. But one of the things that I am very pleased with about the way the book turned out is that it is, as you say, a more general resource for people who are interested in Fatima, interested in Marian apparitions or interested in apparitions in general. And, you know, there, there are some, um, portions of the book that just talk about what the church teaches about apparition private apparitions you know um and then of course walking through the the history of what happened and before during and after the apparitions and uh so my hope is that it'll be even as the movie you know it's, it's out of theaters now and it's available on dvd and everything but but as time goes on people who are just interested in the fatima apparitions and want a short hopefully pithy uh uh resource will uh, be able to come to that and and from the information in it grow closer to our lady and and get in the habit of praying the rosary and all that sort of wonderful stuff
0: we're uh, chatting with paul sends the author of fatima 100 questions and answers about the marian apparitions from ignatius press and paul You know, as you've kind of hinted a couple times here, the book is a very easy-to-read primer in a way that includes sections on history, biography, theology, and even a few kind of geopolitical reflections. Uh, Part of what I found made it so easy to read is that question-and-answer format. Tell us a little bit about writing those questions. How did you anticipate what readers might be wondering? And and then how did you go about researching uh, the story of Fatima?
1: As far as coming up with the questions, that was – it was a little bit of a process, as you say, trying to to put myself in the mind of someone who would be reading the book. One of the nice things that happened was because I was trying to write it so quickly, I was sort of coming up with the questions and researching at the same time, and there was quite a bit that I didn't know about Fatima you know, I thought I knew. I, I thought I knew quite a bit about it, but doing the research, I, I learned quite a bit, and then that would prompt questions for the book. You know, I, I would learn something and say, "Hey, I bet I bet nobody, or I bet few people know that," so I'll put I'll put that as a question and answer in the book. Uh, but basically, I thought, okay, take a step back. I want to provide the context for for people who are unfamiliar with it, somewhat familiar, or very familiar. Doesn't matter. So I tried to get kind of a historical uh, background and then walking through what preceded the apparitions, the apparitions themselves, and what came after, and then the theological context, you know, what sort of questions might be prompted. And I also, uh, I, I asked my, my wife and my um, oldest daughter, what kind of questions do you guys have? And we watched, they sent, sent me kind of an advanced copy of the movie. So we watched the movie together and, okay, what questions were prompted from the movie? You know, that sort of thing. So uh, it worked out. And then the the folks at, uh, some of the folks at Ignatius and at uh, Carmel Communications who were doing the publicity for the movie and they and they do a lot with Ignatius Press as well, they kind of gave me some ideas for questions too. So it was, the questions were, were a group effort. And, yeah, the basic idea was just putting myself in the shoes of someone watch, watching this movie or picking up the book and what are they going to want to know?
2: You know, um, one, one of the things that I've been noticing, especially during COVID and, um, you know, the, the whole thing about uh, the Great Reset and all this stuff, people, yeah. people are, are kind of relooking again at these Marian apparitions, and there's some that are approved and some that are not approved, right? So, so what does the church teach about Marian apparitions in general? Um, do we have to believe them? Um, and, and how do we know which ones are approved and which ones aren't approved? That kind of thing.
1: So, <clears throat> Marian apparitions, as with all private apparitions, uh, no one is obliged to believe them. the The public revelation, as you know, ended with the death of the last apostle. And while there might be private re- revelations that have that have gone on since then, we are not bound to believe those. Even the ones that the church deems as uh, uh, worthy of belief or or credible, such as Fatima, uh, what, Guadalupe, Lawrence, you know, um, they, these are not, we're not beholden to them. Uh, there, there are even some that, that the church has not made any sort of a, a positive assessment of, but that ecclesiastical authorities recognize, well, Whatever is going on, it's resulting in a lot of good. There's a lot of people praying more. There's a lot of people going to mass more. You know, going to adoration, praying the rosary, going to confession. Uh, so you know, there's those sorts of fruits that can come from them. Uh, but it's always better, <laughs> better when the church does give that positive, worthy of belief uh, uh, assessment of them.
0: Very helpful, um, and I think uh, you know, as you mentioned. We, we're all familiar with certainly a number of these private revelations, uh, private apparitions, especially here in, you know, in North America, we're familiar with Guadalupe. And of course, as you say, Lords and Fatima are probably the two biggest ones. There are a number of others that I've learned about over the years, you know, Our Lady of Borang, uh, of course, uh, then in Paris at the Rue de Bac, the uh, um, miraculous medal, uh, Our Lady of Kibeho in Rwanda, uh, Our Lady of Aki, Hida in in um, Japan. So I that was interested in in one section of your book you talk about some of these other apparitions and you're you're listing them off and realizing wow really our lady is calling people all around the world to a deeper yeah. faith and calling them back to the sacraments and back to to Christ her son.
1: That's right. Yeah and just like they say you know like, like any like any proud mother she wants nothing more than to bring people to her son, you know. <laughs> That's not about her it's about him. That's her mission.
0: Well, maybe you can give us, you know, that's, so I think this is really delightful to learn about the genesis of this, of this book. Again, Fatima, 100 questions and answers about the Marian apparitions. Um, now let's maybe talk a little bit about what happened at Fatima. Why is this, why are we even talking about this? So maybe a little bit of background. Where is Fatima and when, when did this, this apparition take place?
1: So Fatima is in Portugal, and the the apparitions of Our Lady took place in 1917. So we're right at the height of, or the depths of uh, the First World War. You know, Europe and other parts of the world were were just embroiled in this horrible conflict, and uh, the Pope at the time, Pope Benedict the Fifteenth, uh, implored the world to. To uh, pray a novena uh, to to Our Lady, begging for peace, and uh, I believe it was the day, the day after the last day, of the novena was the, was her first appearance, or 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 some some right around there, uh, you know, unbeknownst to him at the time, you <laughs> would come to find out later, but uh, right. uh, and the 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 context in Portugal itself was very interesting, and uh the fact the fact that that's when and where our Lady chose to appear to these to these visionaries uh these children who we'll talk about in a second Um, historically portugal was in was a profoundly catholic nation Uh, i mean the, the fabric of the nation was just so profoundly catholic to the point that the the kings and queens of portugal for hundreds of years traditionally did not wear crowns because they said that was the sole right of Mary as the queen to be to be crowned. So they didn't wow. wear. Um, but then, uh, so less than a decade before before uh, uh, these apparitions, uh, there was a uh, governmental takeover uh, in, in an election where where this uh, uh, atheistic um, regime there's no really no better word for it. Came into 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 power in the government, and they quickly, they almost immediately, started enacting whatever laws they could to make church life more difficult. Uh, let alone, or, or and possibly even making uh, certain things illegal. And they bragged that within, what did they say? Within a generation or two, that the, that the church wouldn't exist in Portugal anymore. That was their explicit goal, um, and. Uh, that's the context in which Our Lady came to these three shepherd children in this tiny little town of Fatima. Um, I mean, things were so were so difficult with the government that at first, when mo- when almost nobody believed these children that these <coughs> visions were happening, some of the people in the town were upset with the children because you know they said basically, you need to admit that you're making this up and stop because if you don't, that. You know, Big Brother's eye—that I picture in the eye of Sauron—you know—zooming <laughs> in on Fatima. They're going to start looking at us, and they're going to make us make life for us terrible. Right now, we're flying under the radar, but if you don't stop, they're going to come after us. Uh, but of course, the children weren't going to lie. They they stuck to their guns and said, "No, this you know, this is true. This is happening. This is important, and we're going to keep doing what we're told." And that was yeah, that was that was the context in which she came and. And uh, imploring for peace.
2: Well, you know, have you been to Fatima? Have you had a chance to go over there? I never. No,
1: I never have yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been there, and and um, it's it was striking to me in, in a number of ways. Um, I think first of all, uh, the noble simplicity of the place. Yeah. You know, um, I, I mean, I, I took a picture by the wall with that famous picture of the three of them standing against that kind of rock wall. Yeah, and uh, act we actually found the exact spot on the wall where they took that photo, mm-hmm. and I took a photo of that section there. And just when you see the people you walk through, it's just it's just so simple. You think, well, Mary's gonna appear, you know. You you think, you know, it's gonna be spectacular places. Just 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 simple rural. Yeah, just regular just regular folks, you know. Um, and um, and obviously, Mary has a love for children. You know, so to appear to just three simple kids, you know, why? Just like Jesus went to just the, the simple apostles, right? The fishermen, yeah. you know, farmers, you know, the tax collectors, whatever. I mean, just everyday folks. Um, it just and and that really appeals to me, you know, that when we think, oh, you know, um, Mary appears to people who are special, but we're, but in a sense. It's not who the culture considers special, you know. People that are famous, or people that have money, or people that have prestige. It's the people that often others don't think about. Um, she appears in places that um, that you never think to go, you know. And I just love that simplicity about the Blessed Mother's visits and her messages to folks. Uh, of course, in, in the apparitions that are approved um is is that the wonderful simplicity i think that's something we need to return to today because sometimes life can get so complicated (laughs) and i think one of the beautiful things about mary is her simplicity
0: right so paul um you know we're we're coming near the end of our time together for this show but i wonder if you would be so kind as to come back and next week and let's pick up the uh the kind of story of Fatima and, and learn a little bit more about exactly what happened and then what the kind of longer term effects uh, and messages of Fatima have been for our generation. Would you be willing to come back and chat about those?
1: Be yeah, My pleasure.
0: Wonderful. Well, We've been chatting this uh, this show with Paul Sens, the author of Fatima, 100 Questions and Answers About the Marian Apparitions, available from Ignatius Press, wherever finer books are sold. Uh, and we are just delighted to have Paul with us, especially because, as we said at the top of the show, Deacon Harold and I have known Paul Since he became a freshman at the University of Portland, and now we've all moved away from the Pacific Northwest, but here we are. Well, I should say we moved away from being together at the University of Portland. You're still in the Northwest, Deacon. But uh, Paul and I are in the dispersion, uh, you know, the diaspora, if you will, uh, from from the Pacific Northwest. But uh, we're going to gather again next week together. And until then, uh, Paul, is there a way that people can read your writing uh, and kind of uh, see some other things that you've written?
1: Sure. Well, uh, as you mentioned in in my little bio, uh, you can find my writing at the Catholic World Report, Our Sunday Visitor, Catholic Answers Magazine, and online at Catholic Answers uh, National Catholic Register, and uh, uh, here and there, elsewhere from time to time, too. And uh, and you can get the book at Ignatius.com or go support your local Catholic bookstore.
0: Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, it's a pleasure to have you with us, and we'll have you back with us next week. You can also connect with us and download previous episodes of Living Stones at com. But until we gather next week, Deacon, might we uh, have a blessing?
2: Sure. May Almighty God bless you and keep you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Amen. We'll see you next week here on Living Stones.
1: You've been listening to Living Stones with Ken Hellenius and Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Living Stones is produced at the studios of Modern Day
2: Radio in Portland, Oregon. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I-Radio.com.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through MatardayRadio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.